Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk, everyone. Uh, Today, we are discussing a topic that we all need to know about, don't like to discuss, but it's essential, and that's paying for healthcare, paying for dialysis and transplant specifically. And today, um, we're going to be speaking with Beth Witten. She's a licensed clinical specialist and has been involved with Medical Education Institute Kidney School Program and creates a lot of their wonderful, great content. And I'm so happy to have you on the show today, Beth. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here and uh, try to clear up some of the the questions that people might have about insurance. I I have to say that in the United States, our system of insurance is quite complex and very confusing, and I learn something new every day. So, you know what? um, Hopefully, I'll help some other people learn something new. The more you learn, the less you know. Um, And it's just like the tax code, you know, like it's so complicated. And, you know, it's really sad because, um, you know, people like, oh, I can't handle that. Then they don't learn it and then they're they're stuck. So uh, we got to learn it. So let's let's start with the basics of Medicare. Um, you know, people who have end stage renal disease have access to Medicare. Can you explain that? Yeah. So, um, actually, the interesting thing is most people think of Medicare for people that are 65 and older. Um, Medicare is also available for people who have a disability and have received Social Security disability insurance checks for two years, 24 months. Um, but um, back in the 1970s, Medicare was extended to people that have kidney failure and stage renal disease requiring either dialysis or transplant. And um, so it became kind of um, a, uh, a test of universal health insurance, which is kind of interesting when you think about it. Um, President Nixon is the one who signed the bill that extended Medicare to people with kidney failure. Um, people are eligible for it if they are a U.S. citizen or a lawful permanent resident and if they have uh, paid in to the system of Social Security either themselves or as a spouse of a worker or children qualify if they um, have a parent who has worked the right amount of quarters or, or earned enough what they call credit for Social Security or for Medicare. So um, it does cover a variety of things. Um, it For people that have kidney failure, um, first of all, you can get it right away if you get a, get a transplant as your first treatment. You can also get it right away if you start a home training program during the qualifying period for Medicare, which is the first three months that you are on dialysis. So if somebody starts a program to do either home PD, peritoneal dialysis, or home hemodialysis, they can get Medicare backdated to the month that they started dialysis, no matter where they started it. So 
And it always starts on the first day of the month. So Medicare always starts the first day of the month. You know, it's it's interesting you say that because I was able to get Medicare under my father's insurance as a child because I had, you know, kidney disease growing up as a child. And then, um, you know, I got transplanted when I was 24. And um, I had that three-year period. And then I fell off the rolls, which we'll talk a little bit about that. I didn't qualify anymore. But um, when I had to go back to get my fourth transplant, and this happens to so many people, uh, being a pediatric patient, luckily I had a job and paid into the system so I could qualify for Medicare again. And I think, you know, it's so unfortunate because we deal with a lot of youth who age out of being able to use their parents' Medicare, and then they never worked, so they don't, they're not eligible for it again, so they have to go on a state program. Right. Now, one thing that kind of helps people that are younger is you don't need as many credits um, when you're younger. Uh, you need the most credit when you're, you know, when you're 60 or older. So people always talk about, well, you need 40 credits. That's only if you're older. You can get by with as few as six if you're younger or, you know, so there's a there's a, a way to find out how many credits you have. You can call Social Security, and that's one eight hundred seven seven two one two one three, or you can set up a My Social Security account on ssa.gov, and that way you can get in and you can see exactly what you have in the way of credits, and you can see what you'd make if you had to go on disability or if you uh, waited and retired at, at your full retirement age or, or later on if you wait till you're 70 to retire. Um, you can find out all that kind of stuff. You can also order another Social Security card if you lost yours. There's a variety of things you can do online now. So that's something I really encourage people to sign up for the My Social Security. Um, and also there's a My Medicare uh, site that you can sign up for and then you can find out about all your claims and and um, look up a variety of things on there as well. Well, and you know, what's interesting is 90% of people who are on dialysis have Medicare. I mean, I just think about how lucky we are to have access to this insurance program because right. um, it's, it's, <laughs> what would we do? It's, it's really unique, you know, and um, the only other group of people that don't have to have worked uh, for the 24 months are people with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. So they can get Medicare right away, but we are, our, our people that have kidney failure are really, really lucky to have that as opposed to, say, cancer or some other diagnosis where if you don't have health insurance, you're kind of in a in a between pickle. a rock and a hard, hard place. Well, and I mean, as much uh, health issues that I've had over my life, and I've been able to get private insurance, but, you know, when I was back on Medicare was either the primary or the secondary, it really prevented me from going and my husband going bankrupt because we had access to that, that um, extra insurance. Um, what we really want to focus on today is the alphabet. <laughs> A, B, C, and D. Now, um, Medicare A, B, C, and D. So let's go through A and B because those are the easiest. Those are those are things that you hear about the most as Medicare A and Medicare B. 
And if you have, um, no matter whether you have Medicare, original Medicare, what they call fee-for-service Medicare, or you have Medicare Advantage, um, A and B pretty much cover the same thing. So Medicare Part A is what they call hospital insurance. And what that typically covers is your inpatient stay, and it covers hospice, and it covers transplant surgery. Um, it's, it's mostly an inpatient thing. Uh, Part B is called medical, um, and it covers your doctors, it covers dialysis, it covers immunosuppressant um, medications. Uh, Part A has an inpatient deductible, and then if you're in the hospital for a long time, you may have to start paying some uh, co-pays for days in the hospital. Part B has a, a deductible as well, but it's an annual deductible. Um, and Part B also has a premium. Most people don't have to pay a premium for Part A uh, because they've worked long enough to qualify for it. If they haven't, there is uh, you can buy into Part A. Um, if you're 65 or older, um, you can buy into Part A and pay a premium for it based on the number of work credits you have. Uh, so that's Part A and B. Part C. Um, is what they call Medicare Advantage. And Medicare Advantage plans have to cover at least all the stuff that Medicare covers under Part A and Part B. They may cover um, some other things, and that's what they tout a lot in their ads. Um, and I can go into some of the things they may cover. Um, the most plans, uh, most of the uh, Medicare Advantage plans cover glasses and eye exams. Um, there are a lot of them that cover telehealth. A lot of them cover dental benefits. Some of them cover fitness centers and hearing aids. Um, then you get into things that are maybe not covered quite as often. Some of them have some out of cut, uh, account, uh, over the counter benefits that people can get where they can use some credits that they have, uh, to get some of the over-the-counter over drugs that you wouldn't necessarily be able to get through Part D, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, some of them have um, home delivery of meals if you've been in the hospital for a certain amount of time. Some of them have some limited transportation. You know, some, so there's some extra benefits that you can get from a Medicare Advantage plan. Well, uh, Beth, you know, you know, it was interesting about that because Medicare Part C, and I try to explain this to people, because A and B is coming from the government, and so is D. D is a prescription program. But C right. is actually Medicare is contracting with an insurance provider and giving them the money to take care of you. And exactly, so, and there, there are downsides to Part C to Medicare Advantage that you don't hear about in the ads. Right. I mean, because, well, and it's got a lot of benefits, but um, insurance companies typically deal with networks and negotiate deals. And so my biggest issue is, is, you know, what about my continuity of care? I need to have continuity of care. So my transplant center may be in that network this year, but doesn't mean they'll be in that network next year. And that's what people have to understand. And and they have to also understand if they're on dialysis, that their dialysis 
provider that they're going to, whether it's one of the large dialysis organizations or a physician-owned clinic, it may be in, in network this year, but it could change next year, which would mean you'd have to change everything. And the other thing is that most of the Medicare Advantage plans also require prior authorization for anything that they think is going to be pretty costly. So that can take time. Um, and you can also have, and this is true with, Medi- with Medicare or with insurance, uh, you can also have surprise bills where you go, to, you go to your network provider. And this actually happened to my daughter. She was um, hospitalized. She went to the hospital, hospitals in network. The hospitalist that they had her see while she was there is not. <laughs> so she's going to have several hundred dollars that she's going to owe to this hospitalist who was not in network. And she didn't have a choice as to who, it, who it, she saw. That and happened they, to me, they, too. Um, it was an infectious disease doctor. And anyways, um, they weren't in my Anthem Blue Cross program, but I was literally unconscious with an infection. And I fought that sucker to no end, and I ended up not paying it. I spent more time than probably the bill, but it was the principle of it. And I'm like, I had no, I had, I didn't authorize this doctor who was not in network or in, you know, my and I have a PPO, which still has a network with my Anthem Blue Cross, um, because not everybody takes Anthem Blue Cross now. I mean, it's very right. interesting. I mean, insurance is just getting so complicated. But, um, yeah, so uh, up until um, basically in 2021 will be the first time people who have kidney disease can enroll in managed care. Right. They've, they've been able to roll, enroll in what they call special needs plans before that, but those were few and far between. But this year, um, they're going to be able to enroll in, or actually through December 7th, they were able to enroll in Medicare Advantage plans. Now, one thing that people may not realize, and I don't know whether people read their um, contracts or not, but the other downside of Medicare Advantage is, is that you may have out-of-pocket costs for co-pays or uh, deductibles or co-insurance that can be up to $7,550 um, for in-network services. And if you go to a, um, if you have a plan that allows you to go to out-of-network providers, between the in-network and out-of-network um, providers, you could be paying $11,300. Um, and that's the cap that CMS requires them to have. They may have lower caps. So that's something I really strongly encourage people to look at to try to find out how much they could have to pay out of pocket. And their Part D costs in the Medicare Advantage plan, it's not in that cap. So that's on top of that. Well, and, you know, um, when we learn all this alphabet soup, Medicare Part C, the whole idea behind it is you don't need a secondary insurance with it. Is that correct? Well, yeah, you don't need, well, it's not that you don't need a secondary insurance. It's that you can't have a Medigap plan, which is a Medicare supplement plan with a uh, Medicare Advantage plan. So that's why you might have to pay that $7,550 or $11,300. If you're able to get a Medicare, Medigap plan or what they call a Medicare supplement plan um, in your state. And there are approximately 33 states that um, allow 
some people, sometimes ESRD are allowed into them, sometimes not, um, that have regulations in their state um, insurance laws that require um, insurers that sell Medigap plans to people 65 and older with Medicare to sell to people under 65 with disabilities, and, and some of those also take ESRD patients. I suggest to people that they um, contact someone in their state insurance department office to find out about those regulations, whether there are Medigap plans available. They can also talk to their state health insurance assistance program uh, counselors, and you can find a list of them at shiptacenter.org. Um, that has a list by state of all the uh, state health insurance assistance program counselors. They are um, funded by the federal government to offer counseling to people that have Medicare, and they can explain Medicare and Medicaid and insurance uh, stuff to people. Um, I, I think it's really important to reach out to the experts. Um, who know about this stuff because it is so complicated and so confusing. Well, and oftentimes Medigap, and and I've you know I've heard from this, and and they're extremely expensive, and so they make the Medigap policy because, in my opinion, the best insurance is. Um, a health insurance plan and Medicare or Medicare and a Medigap. I mean, if I had to go out and pick because it's more of a fee for service and you don't have to get authorization um, right. or be in a network. I mean, but um, I understand there are benefits of, you know, Medicare Advantage and you need to just really do your homework. And, and you have the option of if you're in Medicare Advantage and you don't like it, you, you have the option of opting out. At when You can. You can switch out um, every year. People are, you know, people can change their plans during the open enrollment period, which, you know, is um, in the fall um, from the 15th of October to December 7th. And then they actually have a an open enrollment for Medicare Advantage from January 1st to March 31st. The one thing about switching, you can switch from one Medicare Advantage plan to another uh, during those times. You, you can switch out of Medicare Advantage to original Medicare, Medicare fee for service uh, during January to March. The problem is you may or may not be able to get your Medigap plan back if you had one. Um, they, they have this uh, rule that says that if you switch back to original Medicare within the first year, then your Medigap plan has to take you back. But if it's beyond that, they don't have to. Oh, wow. So that can be a problem for people if they get into a Medicare Advantage plan and they go, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I was going to have to pay all this money out of pocket. I've had a Medigap plan and yeah, I paid a pretty good sized premium for that plan, but I didn't have to pay anything out of pocket. You know, now I've got to pay up, pay up to $11,300, which, you know, how many people have that sitting in their back pocket? Um, you know, it's, uh, you know it's, so it's, they may be disenchanted so with it and think maybe I want to switch out. So check with your Medigap plan if you're giving one up to go into Medicare Advantage and find out um, how easy it is to switch back. 
That's great advice. Um, uh, let's just circle back before we move on to Medicare Part D, because I think people understand it, but go. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Medicare Part D is the drug plan under Medicare. Um, it can be in, you can have a Part B plan when you have original Medicare. Uh, you can also have Part D as part of your Medicare Advantage plan. And if the Medicare Advantage plan doesn't have Part D in it, then you need to buy a, a Part D plan. Those are bought like Medicare Advantage through insurance companies. You can go on the Medicare.gov website every fall. Uh, again, it's uh, a time to switch those plans from October the 15th to, to December the 7th. I strongly advise people to set up the My Medicare account so that they can put in their drugs and dosages and frequency into the into the database. It saves that. So next year you don't have to do all that. All you have to do is check and be sure the drugs that are in your in your um, account are the correct drugs that you're taking at the right frequency and dose. And then you can compare the plans and find out which one has the best coverage for your drugs um, at the at the cost you can afford theoretically, um, and at the pharmacy that you normally go to. Um, Part D plans will have preferred pharmacies. You can usually save money at the preferred pharmacy over the standard pharmacy. Um, and they often have, um, you know, cheaper prices, and sometimes you'd pay nothing for uh, drugs that are generic. I will say I have Medicare myself. I have original fee-for-service Medicare. I have a Medigap plan, and I have a Part D plan. And my Part D plan uh, for my generic drugs, I pay nothing. And I decided to last year to check out my grocery store because I figure I'm in there all the time anyway or now trying to go once a week. Uh, but the, the pharmacy there will give me 100 points that I can use on either food or gas every time I get a prescription filled. So I pay nothing for my generic drugs and get 100 points for each prescription. I think I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff people might want to check. Right. Um, Costco, you know, if you buy, if you have to buy a lot of drugs and you have a Costco in your area, you might check to see how the prices are there because if you're using their credit card, then you get points and you can use that to, to buy stuff. You know, those points really add up, too, I have to say, because I forgot one of my accounts that had points on it. And then I right now I have 150,000 points on. Oh, my God. Um, I know. I'm like, I got to use these points. What am I going to do with them? And um, they really do add up. Uh, you know, one thing, though, I actually may suggest I buy with these points is a crystal ball. Because, yeah. um, because with a lot of these things, you don't know what medicine you're going to take and and then you know it leaves you a little bit of a, a gap <laughs> yeah yeah and it's you know if we all had a crystal ball you know one of the things people uh, probably heard about this fall is that um, the Affordable Care Act which is um, the healthcare.gov and uh, state marketplace plan um, is once again um, under threat um, and there was a hearing before the Supreme Court um, on November the 9th where a bunch of state attorneys general um, 
brought a case from Texas, I believe it was, and um, there's a threat of that law being overturned. Um, we don't know yet what the Supreme Court is going to decide on that. I tried to read up a little bit on what people thought about it, and they there it appears that more than likely it won't get overturned, but um, that could always happen. And we probably won't know about that um, decision from the Supreme Court until sometime this spring. It often takes them several weeks to months before they um, come up with their decision. Well, in the, the Affordable Care Act, too, I mean, I get really upset with people because they're like, oh, it's awful. It does this. And, you know, there are some problems with it. But I will always love the Affordable Care Act because it said you can't prevent people with pre-existing illnesses to have access to insurance, which yeah. is huge. Anybody with an illness needs to be like screaming, you know, to high heavens about um you know, this provision, because prior to this, I couldn't go out and get an in, uh, you know, I'm obviously I'm married, my husband has insurance, but I couldn't go out and get a health plan on my own, which, which forces people sometimes, and I've seen this, you have, they end up just kind of accepting that they're disabled and they're not going to, because they can't get health insurance. And they they lead a life of, of, you know, not fulfilling their potential because they need health insurance more than anything else. And so they stay in a, and it's a great segue, you know, spend down coverage, how people can qualify for state insurance programs, but you literally have to have no money and, uh, or very little money to be able to qualify for them. You have to, 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 to get into Medicaid or in, in California, it's Medi-Cal, um, you can't have savings over $2,000, and you generally, they have state guidelines, which vary from state to state on how much um, income you can have per month and qualify. I can tell you in the state of Kansas, you have to have an income, most people have to have an income, unless they're pregnant or have children um, to support, um, $450 a month. And so if your income is over that, uh, there are a variety of states that allow you to document that you have out-of-pocket costs for things like drugs, doctors, hospitals, health insurance premiums, transportation for medical care, those kinds of things. If you have those kinds of expenses, you can show them to your Medicaid or Medi-Cal caseworker and they can use that to meet the spend down, which is the difference between what your income is and what the state allows. And some states calculate calculate that every month. So you might go on and off Medicaid, Medi-Cal every month. I don't know about California, how often it calculates that. Kansas calculates it every six months. So whatever your difference in your income is, between the state guideline and the allowed amount, they they take that and multiply by six. So it's a huge amount of money that you might have to show medical expenses for. So part of those six months, you won't be eligible for it, and then you'll be eligible, and then you'll go off of it. It's 
it's it's nerve wracking for people. It's, it's and you don't a feel well. Job. You don't feel well when you're seeking health care. It's because you don't feel well, and I so know. you have to navigate this whole system, and it, it's just daunting. Um, you know, I, I let's talk a little bit about when Medicare is no longer you're no longer eligible for Medicare. Okay, normally, if you are under 65 and you don't have uh, Medicare due to a disability other than kidney failure, um, your Medicare will end after 36 months. Now, I will tell you, there is a trick um, to that. Most people will lose the Medicare after 36 months. However, if somebody is in a program of vocational rehab, when that period happens, and when they're considered medically recovered, which uh, can happen as Social Security can decide, oh, you, you have a stable transplant now, you're medically recovered after a year. Uh, so you could lose your Social Security disability or your SSI after a year. You would still keep your Medicare for 36 months. But if you're in a vocational rehab program at, the, at that one-year point, and say, say you decided you wanted to go to college and you wanted to become a nurse or you wanted to, to get a computer degree or something that took a while to do, and you're still in the program, Social Security thinks this program is going to make you financially able uh, to get off a disability and be independent of the disability system. They will continue paying you your Social Security Disability or SSI, and they will continue to keep your Medicare going until the end of the period that you graduate from that program or that program is no longer expected to make you independent of disability. Well, that's an interesting fact. I, I wonder how many voc rehabs does every state have? I know California has one, but every state has a voc rehab program. Right. And I don't know, I don't, I, I suspect that most people on dialysis or transplant patients don't know about that. It's called Section 301. Right. And it's a section of the Social Security Act. Well, so and it's, there are work incentives um, through um, Social Security that allow you to um, keep your income while you're getting back into the workforce if you've been off out of work for a while. Um, there's a book on the Social Security website called um, The Red Book. And it's like not Red Book the magazine, but Red Book. Um, and like R-E-D? Like R-E-D? The Red Book. R-E-D. And it's, it, I don't Because nowadays you're going to bleed money? <laughs> Is that why they come up with a Red Book? You're going to bleed money after you read this? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually, it's actually to try to help people um, overcome the fear of going back to work um, when they've been disabled for a while. Cause it's, it's hard. It's scary. It's scary. It's hard. Um, and you don't believe in yourself. I mean, I, I have come across so many people that we have worked with at RSN that now are full-time employed places. and But when they came and they worked with us, they just didn't feel they had, they just didn't have the confidence. And they didn't yeah. feel like they, you know, it's just, it's very daunting. Um, and, and I can say that uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, employer group health plans because um I am very lucky. I've been married for over 23 years, 
And I know, to a wonderful man who has a great health plan, people have heard me tell this joke, my definition of a real man is what kind of health plan does he have? <laughs> and, yeah. and he works for the city of Glendale. And, you know, it's it's worked out really wonderful because I have access to great health insurance. And we run a little nonprofit. I could get a group health plan that would insure me, but I would be just paying the premium that's all i'd be doing the money the premiums are so outrageous for yeah. a small company to be able to afford and that's and i've heard on many situations that a lot of companies are self-insured and if they learn you have kidney disease and they don't they won't want to hire you because yeah, they're, they're self-insured yeah there there are there are various things that um people who have been on disability for a while can use. They may not be aware of it. Um, the um, kidney school has a module on um, getting back to work. I can't remember what it's called right now. No. but uh, You go to kidneyschool.org and they have all their yeah, modules. Kidneyschool.org. They might want to check that out because um, there, are, there are some tricks to all this. Uh, it is complex. That system is just as complex as, as our healthcare system. Um, and employer group coverage, if you, if you can get it, believe me, that is great coverage. Often it has coverage for things that uh, the traditional Medicare does not. Um, it, it covers some, somewhat similar to uh, Medicare Advantage. It's through private health insurance companies, just like um, Medicare Advantage is. Uh, the caps may be different from uh, the Medicare Advantage caps, so it's always important to look at what what is the the um, maximum you'll have to pay out of pocket. Something that the Affordable Care Act did, in addition to what you said about the the ability for people with health conditions to buy health insurance, is that it gave you preventive care for free with no out of pocket costs, no matter whether you're in a health insurance uh, plan through your job or Medicare Advantage or uh, through uh, traditional Medicare, you get preventive care for free. It also allowed people to continue to have their children on their health plan till they were 26. You know, there are a lot of things that we don't think about related to the Affordable Care Act that you don't hear about. And, um, I, I certainly hope it sticks around and I would like to see it uh, get improved, uh, but it did offer a whole lot of benefits to people and especially transplant patients because transplant patients fell off of Medicare at 36 months and then where, where were you going to go to get it? health insurance? When, when that got passed, it was like, oh, thank you, God. Now our, our patients that have transplants um, can get health insurance coverage. And it's it's just so complicated. And I was thinking about if I had to go and try to coordinate all my doctors and my medicines and my hospitals, it would be like one big game of life. Like, because 
you know, I, I see like 10 different doctors and it would be like hitting the lotto if everybody was in network <laughs> and all my yeah. medicine. I mean, there should be like a Vegas wheel or something like you win. <laughs> you got 90 percent, you know, I mean, because what what is the chances of all of the doctors I see now um, being in the network if I were to go um, you know anyways it's just an interesting uh, perspective because I think we need to be flexible and be willing to change a little bit because we may have to see a different doctor or go to a different unit because it may be more advantageous financially to go with a Medicare Advantage program or go with some other programs especially in those states where you can't get a Medigap plan exactly Um, or you know my husband I think I mentioned it he works for the city of Glendale and you know we're not meeting in person right now but once you know we're able to meet I, I highly encourage people who are single to go hang out at government events and and you know meet somebody there because they yes that's what you got to you got to do what you got I almost married a gay person okay um in the in the 90s because I was going to lose my health insurance you know it is it causes so much anguish for us uh, for everybody you know I mean I uh, and I always love it because people say, oh, God, I have a great health plan, right? And I'm like, well, have you ever used it? You don't know how yeah. good your health plan is until you use it. And it's so important that people understand that. Like, we learn as we go. And, yeah. um, you know, and the biggest issue for people who are on dialysis is vascular surgeons because, you need to make sure you're the vascular surgeon you like or who, if they're in your network, because a vascular surgeon is the key to you getting dialysis. So that is so important. And be sure that you have one that is very skilled. Well, exactly. I mean, and there are, you know, I always say, I always ask around and say, who did your surgery or who did your surgery or did you like them? And, you know, do your due diligence. I mean, we have yeah. to, we have to be our own advocates and, and ask around because, uh, unfortunately, there are different skill levels of vascular surgeons. Exactly. Well, Beth, you are so knowledgeable. Um, there is so much great information. There are a lot of wonderful modules that uh, you can learn more additional information at kidneyschool.org. There's a... Uh, uh, you know, several topics that, you know, everybody should go through just because we have to be, we don't know what we don't know. And then we need to know it when we need to know it. And right. and it's, it's, there's some kind of riddle there somewhere. I'm going to work on it. Uh, but, <laughs> well, and if, you know, if you think of anything else that, um, you know, I didn't get to go into um, why you might want to have Medicare if you have an employer group health plan, that's, Oh yeah, that's a, that's a good point because I mean I I kept my Medicare when I got transplanted for the fourth time I had to go back on dialysis. I enrolled in Medicare and had private insurance and it was the best because everything was covered. Not every you know we had little expenses here and there, but um, that twenty percent I mean was picked up, which would be you know outrageous. <laughs> well, and and if. If you have an employer group health plan, let me just say this one warning to people. If you have an employer group health plan, um, it can save you a lot of money to have um, Medicare Part A and Part B 
because providers that accept Medicare assignment, which all dialysis clinics and transplant programs do, they have to write off any balance that is over Medicare's allowed amount um, as long as your insurance, your employer group insurance pays 100% of Medicare's allowable. So they can't balance bill you right. for anything. And don't sign up for Part A for free and waive Part B because that could end up costing you um, costing you extra money in premiums. And that could also end up limiting when you can enroll in Part B. And you could have a gap in coverage. So either take them both at the same time or waive them both and take them um, later because there's a 30-month period during which an employer group health plan pays first from when you'd be eligible for Medicare if you have an employer group health plan. Well, and that's how it worked for me when I was transplanted. Um, my husband's insurance, you know, that I have access to was the primary payer, and then Medicare was the secondary, but um, private insurance pays a lot more than Medicare, so they never billed me anything because Medicare rates are lower. And, and Medicare requires them to write off that balance. Exactly, which was just, I mean, talk about being grateful because when you think about other people who have to deal with other illnesses, um, I would be in the poorhouse. I would not have four dogs, a cat, and a parrot. I can tell you that. <laughs> I know, yeah. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> no, wait a second. I don't have the parrot, but, you know, we love animals, <laughs> and, um, you know, it allows us to have a few extra vet bills. Thank you, Medicare. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, well, Beth. I, I, I appreciate I appreciate your um, asking me to do this, and I hope that what I said wasn't too confusing. If, if you get... You're awesome. Um, if, if you get uh, emails or calls from people and they're confused, uh, please just refer them to me. Uh, they can get a hold of me through um, Medical Education, MEI, and um, I'm happy to answer um, emails. My email address is Beth, B-E-T-H, like the nickname for Elizabeth, at Witten, W-I-T-T-E-N-L-L-C.com. Okay, Beth at WittenLLC.com. Yeah. Okay, well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Beth. I appreciate your all your knowledge and all your dedication over the decades for people who have kidney disease. So yeah, we'll see you I soon. I love my job. Love my job. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.